You are listening to the Maynard Leadership Show with Desi Maynard and Jeremy Klein. Hey, everybody. We're going to get right to the show, but I just wanted to remind you that if you'd like to see some of what we're talking about broken down, like on a whiteboard in front of you on video using your eyeballs and probably some other uh, valuable original content, go check out our Maynard Leadership YouTube channel, uh, which is absolutely free as well. See you there. Now let's get rocking in today's show. Leadership is a massive word. Uh, it's a huge concept. Uh, and with that, you know, becomes its importance, but also comes confusion, comes watering down. What's leadership? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, 107 different things. Um, so when we say, you know, what does it take to be a leader? Well, there's 2 billion different skills out there, 7 million different traits, all these types of things. And we're trying to work on all of them at the same time which means that if we're working on everything, we might not be working on anything, right? right? So today what we wanna hone in is the only four actions that a leader must take. There's really four buckets that everything goes under. There's these four skills, and we're gonna break them down step by step for you. Uh, so if you're on YouTube, awesome, you can watch on the whiteboard. If you're not, you better go on YouTube so you can see the stuff broke down with your eyeballs on a whiteboard. Um, but, and while you're there, make sure to hit like, subscribe, share, comment. We'd love to hear from you guys, answer your questions, and we'd love a review. Uh, if you're on podcast there, that always helps us to share this to more people so that we can get the word out. And hey, maybe you're a leader and you're trying to get a head start right now. You need that kick in the butt, you need that push. Jump on MajorLeadership.com, throw your email in, subscribe to our four-day leadership challenge. You get four videos, you get action steps, and you can get started on it right away, right now. And how, um, much, how much is that? Pretty expensive? Oh, so that is absolutely free. Absolutely we just want to help free. you out, right? We just want to help you out at the end of the day to start awesome. leading your team now the right way. So as leaders, you know, we have a passion and that's what gets us to become a leader and we're working on things that are bigger than us. Um, but the problem arises when we need and want someone to do something for us, with us, for the company, whatever it may be. Everyone has roles, goals, responsibilities, but uh, you know, what do we do when they don't do it? Yeah, is the question. Well, and you know, you're going to break down the 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 whys, the hows, the what to yep. do. But let's just rewind and look at maybe how not to do it. Yeah. Right. I'm so, I, I'm in I'm in leadership now, and I need you to do something, and you're not doing it. Well, I mean that's simple. I'm your boss. Do your stinking job. The old hierarchical approach. Yeah, and it's getting confused with my role and my title. Yeah. as a boss and not a leader. My job is to lead you and not to manage, to micromanage, to mm -hmm. boss, or to lord over top and enforce you. Yeah. And sometimes, oftentimes, that's the only tool set, maybe skill set that you have because mm -hmm. we're lacking some of the things that we're gonna talk about here today. Yeah. As far as how do I motivate, how do I show them the why? Mm -hmm. How do I get them engaged so that they see that they're a part of this and it's not just I be, like you know parents sometimes do with their kids because I told you so do it I'm your boss yeah and you know a lot of times these come out like frustration mm -hmm. they come out like man I've been trying to be your friend and collaborate on this and it didn't work so blah you know uh, and that's another way to not do it and, you know and you want to do all of this in a collaborative way mm -hmm. it becomes really really important but at the same time, like it, there's four reasons why people don't do things, uh -huh. right? So the four reasons why people don't do things. Number one, they don't know how. Number two, they're not motivated to do it. Number three, they don't know that you want them to do it. And number four, they're waiting on something from you, most likely a decision. Those are really the four things why people don't do something. Yeah, the hinges on that. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I'm ashamed to ask and you haven't taught me. Yeah, and this is a great evaluation tool uh, as well. So it's like, when, even when you look at it like this, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's four things. Either they weren't communicated to, they don't know how to, they're not motivated to do it, or they're waiting on a decision from you. It's one of those four things, if not two, three, hopefully it's not three or four of those mm -hmm. things. Um, then we might have a larger problem and need yeah. some more leadership training. 
Uh, but it's one of those four things right there. And that's what it really boils down to. So use that as an evaluation tool before we even dive too deep into this to be like, hey man, Bobby or Susie uh, isn't handling it. Did I communicate to them? Are they motivated? Maybe I'm not doing that correctly. Do they know how to do it? Right? And are they waiting on something from me? Did I not make a decision or give them the right direction? Yeah, and, and be mindful of this. And you'll notice in just about every one of our podcast, just about every one of our trainings, self-assessment, evaluation mm -hmm. is a big, big deal. And so when Desi says this is a great evaluation tool, if you notice, two of the four have to do with you as a leader. They have to do with you evaluating, mm -hmm. oh no, did I communicate this? Did I set the expectation or is this more of an assumed expectation? And secondly, is the ball in my court? everything is leading up and piling up to me just to make a decision mm -hmm. that I'm expecting somebody else to do. Check those two off the box of the evaluation, and if one of those two is, yeah, I didn't set the expectation, you already know. If mm -hmm. the second is, is, oh, I've been putting off or maybe procrastinating this decision, yeah. check that off the box. Yeah. If those are sound, simply go to them and talk about the other two. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive in. Number one, communicate. Okay, communicate. Now, what the heck is communication? It is the transfer of information. Simple enough, right? We want to take that one step deeper and move it into connection, which is a relationship between two people about that information because we're both linked to that information. Mm -hmm. So communicate is, yes, transfer that information, but do it in a way that is connecting that relationship uh, and making it stronger, right? But communicate. And here's, I actually learned this from you, Jeremy. And the way I learned it is a, a hilarious story. You're talking to me about a sales manager um, working with a sales director. And the sales director was like, uh, hey, you know, how's your call reviews going? And uh, manager's like, I don't do call reviews. And the director's like, what? I mean, man, sales managers do call reviews. So uh, like, let's start doing call reviews. We started talking about that and looking back and I said, man, did that director tell the manager, did he communicate to the manager that he's supposed to be doing call reviews? Nope. Uh -huh. Oh, so that was an assumed thing. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, check that. So we're gonna do call reviews and we're gonna do 10 of them in a week. And you know, here's how you're gonna report them to me. Here's the checklist that I want you to use when you use call reviews. Oh, look at that, communication. Guess what happened next week? They did the call reviews the right way. Yep. I communicated it, okay? Yeah, and with, and, and with this one, it was the, the, the director was upset with the salesman. The salesman was upset with the sales reps because it was just assumed that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, don't assume, communicate it. Yeah. So we have to go right to the problem. We gotta isolate the problem, we gotta address the problem. And um, <clears throat> if they don't know that you want them to do it, that is the problem. So the most important part of communication, like we have to communicate a lot of things and we're gonna talk about some of those mm -hmm. things. But if you're saying, yeah, but Desi and Jeremy, what's the most important thing to communicate? Well, the thing that's gonna get your results is communicating and collaborating on the expectations uh -huh. and the accountability of them. Like when it really comes down to it, accountability is turning expectations into results. That is the definition of accountability. Results is what we all want. Yeah. So we have to be good at setting expectations, holding them accountable to it. How do we get at that? We communicate, right? So how do we communicate? Three steps of communication. Three steps of communication. Number one, initiate it and do it, right? So schedule it, put it in the calendar, Hey, Bobby, we got to talk about this, so on and so forth. Okay, so initiate and do it. Number two is repeat it regularly and follow up. Okay, so we can't just have a one-off. We tell our favorite story about brushing teeth, okay? You can't brush your teeth for four hours on Saturday. You got to do it every single day for five minutes, okay, twice a day. So that's exactly what we mean here. Repeat it regularly and follow up. Now the third piece here is that we want to document it. We need to write this down so that we can track it, so that they know about it. 
um, and we want to do this in a way that we can readdress this you know, in our daily, our weekly, our monthly meetings, whatever the regularity yeah. is. And make sure it's clearly documented. Um, you want to also use this not just for tracking, but we just had a 30-minute meeting, and you gave me the expectations. I wanna wa I'm going to want a reference point, and there's a really strong chance, especially based on my personality, that <laughs> about 55 to 77% of that was forgotten right when we went to lunch. Yeah. So make sure that the key points are concisely documented simply because now that's the go-to. That's yeah. the reference point mm -hmm. that you say, hey, we talked about this, let's look at our document. Does this align up? Where are we at? Yeah, we've even done things like have them sign it. Both of you sign it. I and mean, we've rolled out you know, minimum requirements for sales reps. We've rolled out expectations and you know, accountability points for different teams like that. And you know, some people want to sign it, some want to shake on it. Um, it kind of that, that depends to you. Uh, I don't think there's any data, you know, showing a different result either way, yeah. as long as it's documented in writing in multiple places, mm -hmm. right? And you know, these are things that we're gonna have to do over and over and over and over again. We're gonna have to do them regularly. We're gonna have to get very good at them. Initiate and do it. Repeat regularly and follow up. Look, reader, leaders are repeaters. Leaders are repeaters. Um, and then document it. Uh, in writing in multiple places for both parties to be able to see so that you can track it, right? Main points of communication. Now, when we look at this, this is crazy. 86%, okay, 86% of executives, managers, employees uh, of 400 companies, all of which had 10,000 or more employees, 86% of them said that communication is the number one cause of errors failures and lack of productivity in the company 86 percent crazy that's insane 86 percent so when we look at time lost productivity employee engagement employee retention all these things 86 percent of them said lack of communication poor communication mm -hmm. was the reason for those things yep this fixes the lack of communication do this formula do these steps now the poor communication, one of the main things that we touch on uh, when we're talking about how do we bring that connection, how do we communicate, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes you're going to say something that the other pe person is going to hear something completely different. And then you're going to get frustrated and say, well, I told him this six times. But six times he heard something else come out of yeah. your mouth. And so it's always good to do a check-in. Are, are you clear with the expectations? What did you hear me just say? Yeah. Get them to repeat to you what was being spoken. Because now, okay, now we're aligned and there's that connection. There's so many times where you leave a meeting and you may be upset, confused, frustrated, mm -hmm. because somebody said something to you that was not their intent. Yeah. And as leaders, it is more your responsibility that they receive properly what you tell them than that you told them. Absolutely. And so that is just in the back of your head when you're trying to communicate a message, mm -hmm. a goal, a strategy, any type of system, you want to make sure that your goal in that is they receive this properly. Yeah. So what is your call to action on step one? Set a meeting with all of your direct reports, okay? Set me, collaborate on those expectations, whiteboard them out just like we are, do, we are here, and figure out the best way between the two of you that they wanna be held accountable to them and that how that process mm -hmm. is gonna go. Make that happen. And then guess what? Write it down and document it, okay? And then follow it up, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, whether it be, you know, I would say at least bi-weekly, you know, sure. if not weekly, we, we always, we suggest weekly to do this. And when you do it weekly, you get really good at it. So it only takes you, you know, 20 minutes. Right. And, and I mean, like 70 something percent of employees are more productive and more engaged when they have a daily touch point with their manager. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, that's a big number. So go do that one or two things right now. They're very simple. It doesn't mean they're not easy. But go do them right now. That's step one, communication. Step two. What do we got step two, Jeremy? Write it down. Write it down and document it. There it we go. It does not have to be a novel. 
Don't make it six pages. Make it clear, make it simple, make it concise, but write it down and have it documented. And then I take it one step further and make sure everybody has a copy. Is it an email? Is it a paper hard copy that they have? But make sure that we've got this documented, we've got it dated, and then here you go. There we go. Now that you're communicating like a pro in this three-step simple format, the second thing that a leader has to do is motivate. Okay, now what does motivate mean? It means to stimulate interest and enthusiasm, this is Webster talking, to do something. Now, the way that we're gonna put that is inspire and incentivize. Inspire and incentivize. So when we start to look at the problem of they're not motivated to do it, right? One of your favorite sayings I know is that people will behave how you condition them to behave, mm -hmm. which is how we inspire them, how we incentivize them to behave. They're gonna do exact, that exact thing, whether it is logical or not. Whether it is logical or not. So that's that piece of that evaluation. So this stresses the problem of they're not motivated to do it. Three ways to motivate, internal, external, and prioritize. Let's dive into internal. I know this is your favorite one, Jerry. Talk to me about how do we motivate, inspire someone on the inside? Well, and studies show that this is gonna be the vast majority of your motivation. A lot of people think, and you'll get to the extrinsic here shortly, but that, you know, bonus me, pay me, whatever. Yep. But I first need to know my why. I first need to understand the vision. I need to know my place in that vision, right? You've got a vision, yeah. we're all moving towards the same end point and the same goal, and man, I feel that. I feel like a part of that. So what is their why? Most of the people that you lead, they probably don't own your company like you do. They probably don't have stock or mm -hmm. shares. But as leaders and as business owners, oftentimes we want them to take ownership. We want them not to just time, right? we want yeah. them to just not be a clock puncher. Okay? One way to do that is starting with why. Why do they get up in the morning? Why are they coming? Why are they choosing your organization to work for? Mm -hmm. Why? Right? Is it family? Is it legacy? Is it esteem? Is it status? What are those main reasons, right? Because if I can know that, then I can figure out how to match those with what the company vision is. Because the internal motivation is gonna have to do with my value set, it's gonna have to do with my standards, yeah. it's gonna have to do with my lifestyle. There's so many things in that that says, this is how I'm motivated to get the job done. Yeah, and also, I mean, the leader that you are to them. Like yes. people, people are gonna follow the leader before the vision. That's a good point. So it's your presence, it's how you communicate, it's how you're motivated, mm -hmm. and the drive that they see in you. I, I mean, go back to episode one when I asked you that question, yeah. and you're like, just the way that you show up, this drive that you have, that like, I, you know, I don't even know where it comes from fully until I go walk myself through this seven step process of why, yeah. right? Why is that? Why is that important to you? Why is that important to you? Why is that important to you? Right, and so on and so forth. So that becomes, really, really, really important, but also investing in them. Mm -hmm. When you invest in your people, it gives them a sense of impact, of value, and it gives them a sense of you're not a number. Yeah, if you don't want you're a them, person. If, if you don't want them to feel like a number, don't treat them like a number. Exactly, they're a person, and hopefully we're not in business to sell a whatchamacallit or a witchy did you. Hopefully we're in business to grow people, and they'll do that, Yeah. okay? If we can help other people, money will take care of itself. Right? Like I am a walking, talking example of that, uh, believe me. When I first started out, it's literally just help as many people as you can in whatever you can. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I talk about this? Hey, can we talk about that? You know, my first coaching session, I think I charged $20 for, okay? But it's just helping as many people I can, as many ways that I can, that came back. That came back. So yeah. now it's like, let's grow people. They'll grow businesses and that'll right. be all full circle. We got people growing people. Yep. And that and that becomes really important. So number just number two is external. So that becomes the how are we paying them? 
What are they incentivized for? Do they have a bonus structure? Is it base? Is it base plus comp? Is it salary? Is it hourly? Um, all of those different types of things. But also, um, before I ask you the question about that, it's working conditions. Mm -hmm. It's environment. It's atmosphere. It's support. Yeah. Right? It's the communication yeah. of that support and the communication of the pay structure, the working conditions, all those types of things. But talk to us a little about like what's, if I'm a leader on here and they're like, okay, pay structure, that's great. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to put that together to incentivize someone um, that I want to take ownership of their job, their role, and part of my company? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's gonna have to do with probably their role, right? If you've got a team of sales guys, they are deeply motivated by incentive. And it's not just only the money. Right? Sales guys can and do make a lot of money or make no money, right? It's one of those, Easter famine, it's one right? of those yeah. type of gigs. But the ones who are really good see this as a game, as a challenge, and I have an end goal in sight. Mm -hmm. So how do I get them to motivate on each of those levels? Yeah. Is that a bonus structure, right? Most salespeople, if you give them just a salary and say, I hope you sell something, it's, it's going to take away their hunger. It's going to yeah. take away their drive. Mm -hmm. um, so really be mindful of your working and operating capital and what the cost of having that sales rep is versus what they can provide in, in opportunities yeah. going forward. Yeah, I think one of the important things, too, is when you look at pay structure, when you look at incentivizing, that you need to view this as an investment. Mm -hmm. So... If you're not looking at them as an investment, then they're a straight expense, yeah. which means you've done that wrong. So that's kind of your checkpoint is, are they an investment right. in the company? Investments grow versus, is, are they just a bottom line expense? Exactly. Because if that's the case, right? And we've ran into that before, then now we're gonna have a tough conversation. Mm -hmm. We gotta realign that. We gotta fix that incentivizing, that pay structure. Uh, I mean, I mean, we found, and this doesn't work for every industry, but I mean, we found that that base plus some type of percentage bonus for per performance-based incentive yeah. plus a base seems to be the winning ticket most of the time. Now, is that going to work in every industry and every role? No, right? But that seems to be a pretty winning formula, especially with today's atmosphere, society, um, so many millennials that are hungry, um, all those <coughs> different types of things, excuse me. Yeah, and so there, there's a big misconception, and we'll probably talk about this more on a future cast, just mm. uh, re with regards to sales in general, the sales psyche. There's so many people with that type of pay structure that are afraid. Yep. Because I need security. I need something here. And if you think about it, regardless of what you do in your vocation, your security is only measured by your ability to perform. So if you still have to make a widget and I'm paying you hourly or salary, but you're not making the widget, that's really not much different than I'm not making a sale. Yeah. Right? And yep. so finding what works for you with regards to 100%, do I use a draw, is this a commission, is this base? Keep them in mind as much as your company, right? I don't want to pay you a million dollars and I can't afford a million dollars. But at the same time, I want to keep you in mind and say, what's going to keep you here because I value, right? You're not a number. You're helping build and grow this company. So what is that worth to me as a company? Yeah. And how does that make sense to you? And you can go right at that. I mean, you can just say what, what motivates you, yeah. right? And how, how do we, and how do we make that work? Yep. You know? Um, but... It's easy to tell if they're not motivated, right? If they're yeah. not motivated, they're not gonna do what you're wanting them to do. Yep. Um, third part there is prioritize their workload and explain why. So an example of that is like, I have two competing things. I gotta be selling the witchy digit and I gotta be doing the call reviews. Okay, so those things could um, conflict each other. So then I gotta say, oh, but you get paid more for selling the witcher, did you? So you're doing that. Oh, okay, copy that. I need to prioritize those things now, right? And so that's exactly what we mean by that prioritization is why are you doing this thing that I'm having you do? What is the purpose of the directive, mm -hmm. okay? And then how does it benefit the company as a whole, yeah. like organizationally, 
And then how does it benefit Jeremy, Bobby, Susie, right? Oh, well, if you review the calls, then the people underneath you are actually going to sell more. And part of your bonus is depending on how they sell. Right, so actually by you reviewing calls, you're actually helping yourself make more money, which is helping the company make more money, which is helping moving our mission forward. But if I don't know that, if you've just lumped in a ton of tasks and threw the Legos, Legos out on the table, yeah. I'm just gonna build it however I want. Absolutely. As opposed to this, then this, then this, then this. So why are you spending all of your time here when this was number one? Yeah. Great point. So I laid this out for you guys and I think it was, uh, I think it was, it, it was really important, but basically what it came down to, and I'm gonna read this to make sure I got it right because I just developed it. Average leaders direct their people. Good leaders direct and explain to their people. Excellent leaders direct, explain, and demonstrate to their people. And great leaders direct, explain, demonstrate, and motivate their people. And I think that is incredibly important. We all wanna be great leaders Absolutely. that get results. So make sure that you do those things. So. What do we do? Call to action on motivation. Schedule an all-staff meeting right now. You should be having them regularly, but if not, schedule them right now. And in this meeting, we want you to reshare your why. We want you to share the vision. And I want people to hear the passion in your voice, just like you're hearing from mine right now. Look, we believe in and challenge people here. That's why I was born, that's what we do, and that's what we're passionate about, and I'm gonna do that to the day I die. Just like you felt that in my voice and you feel it in yours, they need to feel that in your voice. You need to share that vision, that purpose, that mission, your values until tears are coming down your eyes. And guess what? They'll follow you then. They'll follow you then, and if not, they're not your people anyways. Yeah. But go do that, that will motivate your people right there. So that's two things. That's a big one, yeah. Third thing. Third thing is, let's train them. We gotta train them, we gotta train them. Let's talk about training a little bit. What is training? Well, we, we've talked often about teach, train, uh, equip, and empower, right? I can teach you and we can get our whiteboard out and go through a big lecture. Training is a little bit different. I'm much more involved. It gets back to communication that, okay, yeah. what I've taught, you're actually starting to get. We're working through these kinks. Now, there's skills that you don't yet have, mm -hmm. so I'm gonna teach you the why behind it. I'm gonna teach you what those skills are needed to do this job and to perform it. And you know what, we're gonna train on it. Yeah. We're gonna workshop it, we're gonna make sure, okay, man, now I feel comfortable that Desi has a level mm -hmm. and modicum of skill that he's able to now perform his duties. Yeah, I mean, this addresses the problem of they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. <coughs> but very rarely are they going to say, I don't know how to do that. Okay, so, you know, even, you know, let's go back to, you know, organizing the, uh, the inventory uh, closet or warehouse. Like, they did it, but they don't know how to do it, so they did it their way, and you went in there, and it's, like, atrocious. Yeah. Uh, hey, come here, right? Oh, that's my fault. I didn't train you how to do that. Oh, okay, yeah. so that's actually on me. But when I went in there, I thought that was on you. No, 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 right? Go back to that extreme ownership, take it on you. Um, but I think it's important to know that um, this never stops. We need to have volume in training. And what we mean by that is it's a process of continuous improvement. The training never ends. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like we learn almost everything through repetition, mm -hmm. As you're training this, the first time you hold a company-wide meeting, the first time you do a one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. it's gonna suck. You're not gonna be any good at it. And knowing that is no different than the person that you're trying to teach, right? You've played sports, you've played high-level athletics from high school through college, yeah. and you, first time somebody threw a ball to you, didn't come natural, you didn't know how to read a route, <laughs> No. First no time idea. somebody pitched a ball to you, you probably struck out. That's yeah. why they have T-ball. And then they move you to coach pitch. Yeah. And then they move somebody. And it just has to have that understanding. Mm -hmm. Because if you're of the mindset that I tried it and it didn't work, there's going to be just about everything in your life won't work. Right. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to repeat it. And I'm going to do it. And that goes with how you train yeah. in, in the volume as well. And sometimes this... 
this comes down to like, yeah, but I'm the CEO. Okay, but you have a C-suite. Okay, well, I'm in middle management. Okay, well, you have direct reports. So there's levels of this, yeah. but the training never stops, and it's still, no matter what level you're at, it is one of the four main actions and skills that you're going to need to take. So I, we did some research on this, and I'm, I was a teacher for 10 years, so retention rates are important to me. Yeah, these and stats are pretty staggering. I thought this was pretty crazy. Um, so... And I think this this is how we design our workshops and our training, yep. and this is how we help our clients implement to uh, to you know perfect and improve their training system. But you retain five percent from lecturing, ten percent from reading, twenty percent from an audio visual combo, thirty percent from demonstrating, fifty percent from discussion groups. We're talking about it. 75% from practicing and actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And this one is awesome. 90% from them teaching someone else. 90% of that. Yeah. Right? That was probably the biggest change that we added and that a lot of our clients are, are putting into play is when they're training something. Now, let's switch seats. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm the trainee. You train me in the thing that we just talked about. Yeah. Right. You're, you're going to go through pillars and you have another call to action, but just one other bonus on this. Anytime you pick up knowledge, be it a podcast like this, be it a book that you've read, a seminar you've went to, anything that you somebody trained you on, once that's fresh, immediately talk to your spouse, yeah. talk to a direct report, talk to a colleague, and try to explain it, try to teach it in the way that you had it, that's what's going to lock that in there. Yeah, that's key. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to do it. <coughs> okay, so what are the pillars of training? What are the three areas that we need to train? So step one is just the initial training. Hey, here's how we use this red pen, right? When you grab it, you hold it with your right hand, you click the button, that's how we do it. Okay, here's how to do it. That's step one, right? The other part of the initial training is here's how I or we want it done, right? So that's a little bit different. And then step two, and we're going to flesh these out, is demonstrating this and doing it together, which is basically show them to do it, then do the task for them while they watch, then have them do the task while you watch and do the task together. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the demonstrating, doing together part. And what you're seeing here is the different forms of retention already. Yep. And then the last part there is the reporting of it. How do you want it reported? When do you want it reported? What do I want that report to look like? Right? So let's... Go back a little bit. I said all that super fast. The initial part, here's how to do it. Here's how I want it done. Yeah. And you can find a way to do something, and it can be done maybe 20 different ways. In Desi's example, here's how you write with a pen. But I need this in cursive, not in block letters. I need this legible, not in doctor's handwriting. Yeah. Um, so this is how I want this done. I don't want it to be on two sides of a paper. I want it to be on one so I can just flip through it, right? And so making sure that that initial is clear and concise. Because I think, Desi, getting back to your very first point, because on all of these, it seems like they stack on each other. Absolutely. Like, if I've not clearly communicated to you the expectation, none of this really works. Right. So I'm going to show you how to do it in a way that also follows up and says, but uh, this is how I want it done. You mm -hmm. know what, this is how to do this, and you could probably do this many different ways, yep. but here's the best, best practice. Yeah, absolutely. And then number two is demonstrate and do together. So to break that down a little bit further, like I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna say, look, you watch me while I do this, mm -hmm. right? And that does a lot, because it's now it's also telling them that I've done this, yeah, right, and that I'm willing to do it, and I'm also not willing to make you do something that I'm not willing to do or that well, I, I haven't done. done. Exactly yeah. right. So I think that's really important. Um, almost kind of dives back into the motivation piece of that, too. But then the, do the task together. So now it's literally like, hey, I'm going to do parts A and B. You do parts B and C. But let's riff off of each other, too, during those parts. Yeah. So that's the do together. Maybe I'm on an in-home sales call, and I'm like, hey, you do the open. I'm going to dive in, do some of the, the testing or whatever it is, the demonstration of the product. 
and then uh, you know you come back in for the close, and maybe we'll do that together. Yeah, right. That's a great example of that. Um, and then have them do it, leading you. Okay, and that becomes the part where now we're just observing and tweaking, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we're watching the game film and we're tweaking their reps too. So that becomes the demonstrate and do together. And then the last piece, reporting. From your background, talk to me about that, the, the reporting aspect, how to do it, when to do it, how to make sure the results are happening. Talk to us about your background well, in sales. As, as a leader, you first got to measure what matters, right? Very important, so yes. So you don't want to get a report on something that makes no uh, effect or impact on your goal or progress, right? Um, there's a um, good arts law says when... Uh, a measure becomes a goal, it ceases to become a good measure, right? So if I'm measuring by you just by units sold, but if the quality stunk, if yeah. you burned a bunch of bridges, well, I'm measuring you great because you sold a bunch, mm -hmm. right? So you first, you need to know as a leader, what are the standards and metrics that I look at that I care about? So then, after I explain to this person on how to do this, not only do they know how to do it, but they know why it matters and what they're going to be measured on. Yeah. And then this isn't like every single day I'm going to measure you on 50,000 things. This is going to be like we often look at metrics like the gauges in your car. That's good. I'm not a gearhead. I like cars, but I don't know a ton about them. Mm -hmm. Right? I couldn't fix an engine if it was broke like one of my good buddies. Yeah. But I do know when my gas gauge is on E. Mm -hmm. I do know when my tire pressure's low. I do know when I need to get an oil change. These metrics, when you're getting this reporting, should just show you that. Are these key performance indicators that are tracking you towards your goal or behind? Yeah, and that's also gonna tell them, like if, if I say, hey, you know, report the closing percentage to me on the daily, oh, closing percentage must be really important. That must matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so think about that too. <clears throat> and what you want reported and how often that communicates a message to them. Yep. For sure. So think that through <clears throat> when you're talking about the reporting piece. So, I mean, I played football, basketball, baseball, powerlifting, been to who knows how many competitions. And I can tell you the one thing that I've learned is that the game is not won on game day, it's won in the weight room. It's one on the comp, on the practice field. Yep. Uh, it's one, you know, running sprints on a Tuesday night when no one's watching. Okay, so I think that that's exactly what this is mm -hmm. when it comes to training. It's about the practice field and the repetition yeah. and the, the continuity of it over and over and over and over again um, so that we're always clear, so that we're always getting better and better. There's always a skill to improve. On. Exactly. So I think that becomes really important. So what the heck should I do, Desi? Your call to action is this. Set a regular training schedule for your team. Right? Identify the top five to ten skills. Maybe they're policies. Maybe they're behaviors. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're leadership skills. Maybe they're communication skills. Doesn't matter. Set that <clears throat> regular meeting and start to hone in on what you want your first outline to be. It can be 20 minutes. It can be 30 minutes, right? Yeah. You know, If you're really in-depth, you can take an hour. Um, you know, but I would say to do this at least once a month. Sure. You know, 30 minutes once a month, that's not that big of a deal to improve your people on the skills they need to succeed. Right. I think that's pretty important as we move forward. So that's number three, terrain, and we're wrapping up the last one, which is decide. decide. Talk about decisions. You guys well, don't know anything about that, dude, do you? We don't, we don't make decisions during the day, especially as entrepreneurs, right? What we sometimes fail to think, Desi, is by not making a decision, we've made a decision. Yeah. yeah. We're holding on to something that needs to take place, right. but I'm deciding not to act. Yeah, that's so, the safest. So I would maybe even look at that from the standpoint of reflecting on how we make decisions, mm -hmm. right? Am I not making this decision because I don't have the information? Am I not making this decision because I'm afraid? I'm not weighed out, worst yeah. case, best case scenarios? Mm -hmm. Am I not making this decision because of other people are swaying me maybe for or against what my values and yeah, my Yeah, you're being persuaded are. or manipulated, yeah. Yeah, or am I just procrastinating? 
Yeah, which I mean, tends to be a lot of the time. I'm just too busy, yeah. and it just I lost track, and you know, procrastinators unite tomorrow. I'll, I'll do this tomorrow. <laughs> I love right? it. I love it. Uh, and what this does is decisions address the problem of they're waiting on you for direction, yeah, for a directive, uh, you know, for a big decision of wh- which way are we going to go on this. You know, mm-hmm. are we going to take cut our losses and move on? You know, or are we going to take care of our people? Like, I just need a call. Like, I believe in you enough that either way we'll be fine, but give me a decision, okay, so that we can move forward. So what the heck is a decision? It's basically a resolution in your mind as a result of you considering different options that we have. Yeah. Maybe it's two options. Maybe it's three. Sometimes there's only one option, but the other one is doing nothing. And sometimes we choose that option and it's not, not right. a very good one. Right. And oftentimes that's not a very good one um, as we look forward. But um, two types of decisions, I'm sure you guys know this, big and small. So when we look at those, I, I think that there's a, a different filter to put them through. Sure. You know, versus where are we going to go to lunch or should I get married or not? Um, those are different. A little bit. Yeah. Right? Slightly, <laughs> different. slightly different. But they do have different aspects to unless them. Unless you're really into lunch. <laughs> yeah, unless you're... Which, you know, by chance, if it's sushi, we might be. Yeah, yeah. Right? But your decision-making process as a leader is one of the most important things that you have. Look, you're a, bu- you're a business owner. You're a business leader. You're a manager. You're an entrepreneur. You make... You don't even know how many decisions a day. I don't even know. I could probably look up a stat, but it'd probably be something like we talked about in the mindset episode mm-hmm. of like millions, thousands, whatever it is. But you know that, I mean, almost decision fatigue, especially as an early on entrepreneur, you know, when you're running and gunning with a small team or something like that, you're making tons of decisions. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. So, well, I think, I think giving yourself that credit. Yeah. Because I, I think it was Marshall Goldsmith that says, like, your ability to make a decision is based on the position that you're in and the power that you have yeah. to make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's like, give yourself permission, even though I'm the CEO, I'm the CFO, I'm the, I'm the sales guy. I have responsibilities yeah. in certain aspects that allow me, that give me the power to make that decision. Like mm-hmm. that's a really solid point. Like it is the most powerful process and tool that you have. Yeah. So three points to that tool, that process. One is what decisions do you need to make? Mm -hmm. Two, how do I make them? And then three, how do I evaluate, assess, and reflect uh, the decisions that I have made so I can get better and better as we move forward? All right. So number one, what decisions do I need to make? So there's big long-term ones for myself, my family, my company. And there's also small short-term ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you like day-to-day operations, uh, the daily uh, you know, inner workings of your company, your organization, your sales yep. team, your leadership team, whatever that may be. And then um, you know, should I be making this decision or am I over-controlling and not letting go? Yeah, right? that's a good point. I think that's a big one because you know, I can speak from my own experience. Look, I'm a high-drive person. I like control. Therefore, I might make too many of those decisions um, mm. that really disempowers you or um, you know any one of our other team members when that's really kind of swiping the rug under your feet when I should really just step back and let go. And that ultimately is going to limit your influence and it's going to limit your ability to scale because yeah. you, you got to be the guy. And what does that do to your motivation when that was in your lane and I just stepped over you right. and made that decision. Because, well, I think it should be this. So go, so go do yeah. that. Now I'm just like, back to punching the clock. Exactly, right? right? And that removes all motivation. That's the opposite yeah. of what we're trying to do. <clears throat> so how do we make them? So we've got what decisions. And then step two is going to be how do I make them? Okay. Now, there's multiple ways to do this. Um, you know, everything on their son's already invented. Uh, but this, what we've laid out here is what we've found uh, to be the most effective uh, and really just learn it the hard way, honestly, yeah. uh, as we've screwed up. I don't know how many decisions. At least I can say that. Um, but the way that I do this is when I approach a small decision, all right, lunch. Uh-huh. Can I live with the downside of the worst case scenario? 
it's really that simple. And then why am I choosing this option? Those are those are really the only two questions I ask myself for a small decision. Yeah, pretty simple. You know, and I think it, it comes back to um, when we look at big decisions, which we're going to talk about in a minute, is uh, irreversibility. Mm-hmm. And but there's also a level of the intensity of that. We talked about lunch and marriage. Marriage is it irreversible? Yes, but tough, like really hard. Yeah. Lunch. No, it's not irreversible, but does it matter? No, not really. Not that much. Not important. Right? So we have to put those filters in place as we're looking to do those. But like small decisions, super simple. What's the upside? What's the downside? Why did I make that call? Can I live with the worst case scenario? Right. Not that big of a deal, right? Talks about big decisions. Um, the biggest part of that is that mistakes love a rushed decision. Yeah, I think it's too, it's confusing the big decisions versus a small decision. Especially if you How are- How do you identify them? If you're a very high drive person, you're gonna be like, give me the bullet points, this is what we need to do, I'm gonna make this decision quickly. Yeah. And if we make snap judgments, right? Jocko Willink in his uh, Dichotomy of Leadership, he looks at the difference of being aggressive and having that as your default. Yeah. Right? but also being reserved and calculated and using wisdom so you just don't go in there, guns a-blazing, bulldozing, yeah. not knowing what the potential, maybe dangerous outcomes could be for your company, yeah, for your family, for your friends, that so sort of de- thing. So, so detaching yeah. is this, really is this Is this a big problem? Like Desi said, is this something that like, okay, upside, downside, best case, worst case. Okay, now, what are the ramifications to this? Yeah. Right? Is this reversible? Do, how many other factors does this affect? Because well, that's the key too, because what are the downstream effects? Correct. Yeah. If I drop this bucket of paint and it spills and it makes a big mess and it was a wrong decision, who and how and what areas did this affect? Yeah. If I did this properly and we're moving downstream and it's getting us closer to our goal, now I can look at cost to benefit. Mm-hmm. Is it worth me having to clean up or cover contingencies from these errors? Yeah. Or is this something that I might not be able to come back from? Yeah. And I think when I go to make these big decisions, um, I always want to do it fast because that's my personality. So yeah. I have to battle that. That's a big battle for me. Right. Right. So I've laid these out because I've screwed all of them up. Um, which is kind of how we learned them. Yeah. But what's the environment, the atmosphere, the scenario that I want to set up to make my best possible decision? So number one is get some sleep. Mm-hmm. Get some sleep, which I suck at because when I got one of these big things, like it just keeps going. It just keeps going. Hey, I want to tap my wife and be like, hey, can we talk about this? She's like, it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, yeah, so? Okay, uh, that's wrong. Sleep. Yes. Sleep. Because this decision is a big one. And mm-hmm. it's going to have downstream effects and probably doesn't need to be made like within the next three hours. Yeah. Right? Now, should we set a timeline on it? Yeah, no doubt. We should set a timeline on it because if not, we're just going to stress about it forever until somebody tells us what to decide. Right. right. Okay? So get some sleep. Number two, and this was really interesting. I'm an old offensive lineman and in college I gained over 100 pounds. So this was very interesting when I looked at the data of this. Make sure that you're fed. And here's why. They say the word stress eating. So there's this, uh, this, uh, this gym owner, this influencer, and he started talking about this, right? Um, and he said, you're literally more resilient to stress when you got a full belly. And I'm like, stress eating, that is the thing. It is real, it is scientific, and it works. Yeah. Okay, so maybe don't eat at McDonald's, but make sure you got yourself, that you're well-fed during this time. You know, I mean, you hear all the time that people are so busy and they're so driven and they're so worried, they got anxiety or whatever about this decision that they don't even eat. So make sure you're well-fed. So hangry is a thing. That is a real thing. Gotcha. That is a real thing. And I will or will not mention my wife in that segment, but hangry is a real thing. Um, don't tell her I said that. She don't may or may not listen to these. Don't edit so this. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, number three, remove yourself from the your normal space right so we talked about detach um you know for me i'm i'm in the deer woods 
you know, I'm on an oak flat somewhere. I'm in my fishing boat. Yep. If you guys know that, I love to hunt and fish and camp. Um, but for me, that gets me out of my arena. That gets me out of my normal world. You know, you don't want to make this decision or go through this process while you're sitting in your office. Yeah. Where you do the same thing every day. You're, that you're going to struggle to detach. And this, this goes with just about everything that we do, right? In the condition that we're in now in, you know, 2022, a lot of folks are working from home. Yeah. Yep. Understanding the environment that, and the role that environment plays is a really big deal. Like, you're not going to sleep on your kitchen table. But oftentimes we work in our bedroom. Yeah, right? absolutely. We're not going to make decisions oftentimes, or shouldn't, that's a big family decision in the midst of corporate meetings or having to do stuff. Right. So taking yourself, we'll talk about detaching from the outcome yeah. of needing or feeling desperate to make the decision, but the environment... And anticipating and having an expectation that I am purposely removing myself from this to focus on this is such a key. Yeah, and then I mean, I think leading right into it is, and this is this is hard, this is what's hard for me too, which is why we're talking about it. Is you talk about detachment from the outcome. You have to come from a place of not needing. Yeah. Like if you absolutely have to have this thing that you're trying to decide, let me tell you something. The decision's already made. Mm-hmm. Right, whether it be a good one or bad one. Um, so you gotta try to find a way to come from a place of not absolutely needing in that scenario. Yep. Right now, the best way that I do that, the way we, we've learned, uh, and that we help people do that is, I use this bad boy. Yeah. I use the whiteboard. Because right? if it's all in here, it ain't gonna work. It's gonna be all jumbled. I'm gonna be all stressed out. I'm not gonna be able to sleep. I won't wanna eat until I get it all figured out. And it's never gonna get figured out up here. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so I use that. I lay out the pros and cons of what are all my options, A, B, C, D, E. Hopefully there's not more than that. Um, and then what are the pros of each? What are the cons of each? What are the downstreams of each? Mm-hmm. Who is it going to affect? How is it going to affect them? I write it all down. I mean, it's not pretty. I mean, it's you know scribbly, and, but it's whiteboarded. It's all laid out so that I can see it, so I can show it to other people. And that's the other thing I do is... I mean, I, I just, just went through this. So, you know, got a big thing coming, awesome power, partnership about to take place. Uh, and I mean, I'm seeking wise counsel. I'm going to two, three, four people, you know, my pastor, my mentor, my coach, my friend, yeah. um, who, you know, are a little further along than me, you know, or been around more, or have already done the thing that I'm trying to do, and I'm asking them what they think. I, I think that's a really important piece. Uh, uh, we say all the time, leadership's not meant to be done alone. Yeah. You know, so you're not on an island. There's people in your world that will help you with that. Go seek them out. Seek that wise counsel. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece of this, number three of decisions. So we got what decisions do you need to make? How do you make them? And then what is our evaluation assessment process to reflect on those decisions? Yeah. And again, I said this earlier. This is probably going to be from now until episode 537. Um, Let's make sure that we earmark that. So right. in 537, we will say we that. We will say this. Uh, evaluation, self-assessment, reflection. Sometimes we're so busy getting into the minutia of stuff that we forget. Most of our life, we talked about this in our mindset uh, podcast, a good percentage of your life is just done on autopilot. Yeah. You figured something out. You're going through the motions. You didn't stop to say, was this a win? Was this a loss? Am I, am I tracking? Am I progressing? Where am I at in this situation? So I would even schedule that out. Yeah. You want to be in constant evaluation, but then I yep. want to assess on the second Monday of every month, I'm going to look at my whiteboard or what I've taken down in notes to say this is what I needed to accomplish. This is what I needed to do to make the decision. And you know what? When I wrote that down, this was the goal. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. man, we're super far away from it. Yeah. Or we're close to it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's, you know, separating the outcome from that quality of decision. Uh, I, a great example of this is baseball. Yeah. I mean, I, the greatest hitter in the world has a career average of 300, and they're in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, but they fail seven out of ten times. So when I'm on fail number five, should I change my swing? Right. Oh, well, that's a big decision. Because I hit 300, and that gets me in the Hall of Fame. So that's where, perfect example of 
the outcome and the decision may not align. Correct. So you got to think that through. You got to look at that, reflect on it, uh, because no, I shouldn't change my swing. I just need more volume. Right. Right. Or maybe I need to make a better decision on the pitch that I swing at, mm-hmm. right, versus changing my swing. So I think that becomes really, really important when you look at those and put them through that filter. Um, but, you know, why did I make that decision? You talked about that a little bit. And then um, did I have all the information that I needed to make that decision or did I kind of gun it and go too fast? Yeah, because by the time you've made the decision after I'm assessing, I may have more information now. And probably do. Right. And I think that can be a a hard thing um, that I know that I always am super hard on myself because I have more information, data, and awareness Uh after I've made the decision. And now I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. It's like, okay, well, that's unfair to me because I can't use the information I have now to assess the decision that I made a month ago. Yeah. Because now I've put in a month's worth of reps. I have this much more information. I've talked to this many more people. I've tried this many more things. That you're comparing apples to oranges. And you know, man, that's life, right? Like, how many of you, knowing what you know now about a decision that you made, would have been like, there's no way I would have made that decision? Oh, man. So many. So many. It's crazy to think about. Thousands for me. Oh, absolutely. But how much. Did I learn at each step along the way with regards to not that topic, but with regards to making a decision? Yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't know the metrics. I didn't know the finance. I didn't know this. It was emotional. Like, I, ju- I was a drive type person, so yeah. I just made a snap judgment. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, at every one of those, like we've done, I mean, yeah. like, I, you know, I have hair, you have less but I have probably more dents back there from falling on my face, <laughs> learning yeah. from some of these things that I know that I'm still learning. Yeah. I know that the next decision that we make together as a company, maybe the right, maybe the wrong, but we are armed with more info from the last 65 decisions that we've made. Right, and, I, and that's, um, that's an important thing to remember when you're being hard on yourself is like, yeah. just like that 300 hitter in baseball, they still get it wrong seven, 7% of the time. So we're only gonna get a certain amount of these decisions right. And we might not even know which ones were right. Yeah. You know, I mean, good Lord willing that we're gonna see a sign or a result that gives us that info, but we might not know. Right. You know, at the end of the day. So I think that becomes uh, an area to always keep in mind of like, hey, do I wanna be a 300 hitter, a 400 hitter? Like, you know, I think, a, you know, a rule of thumb is that, you know, we wanna get 51% of the decisions that move in the right direction. Yeah. You know, as we, you know, we always say, you can't stand still, you're either moving forward or moving back. It's one right? or two. Um, so we just at least want to move forward 51% of the time. So we're always making progress. Yeah. Right. Call to action about decisions. Identify one small one and one big one they need to make right now. Yeah. What decisions do you have? What's on your plate? In your life right now that you have to decide on. Categorize them. And walk through it right here. Is it big? Is it small? What type of decision is it? How do I set this up? And then set yourself a timeline to make the decision. Go through this process. Absolutely. Evaluate, assess, and reflect. Yeah, and do it. And you know, be easy on yourself. You're gonna suck at first. You'll get better. Don't worry about it. Volume, repetition. Right. It's about the practice. So, four things, the only four things that a leader that a leader needs to do well: communicate, motivate, train, and decide. At the end of the day, here's what I want you to remember: being advanced is simply never not doing the basics and the simple things. Over a long period of time, regardless of how busy you are and how much you got going on, to stay disciplined. And yes, there was a double negative in there. Never not. Yeah. So always do the simple things, no matter how busy you are. And the simple things are this. Communicate, motivate, train, and decide. Take inventory and make it happen. One tiny step, right? That's it. That's all you need to do. Hey, thanks for watching today, guys. Uh, if you're on YouTube because you want to see this stuff broken down on the whiteboard with your eyeballs, Hit that like button, subscribe, comment, leave us a question. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you're on podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, all the goods there, uh, subscribe, 
share it to a friend. And hey, write us five-star reviews so we can reach more people, help more people. And then, hey, maybe you're that leader that needs to push in the pants. Um, we'd love to challenge you. We believe in and challenge people. Jump on there, throw your email in, get a four-day leadership challenge. You get a video every single day. You get step-by-step. -step, you get action plans yeah. uh, to help you move forward and get started and get results right now. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Mainer Leadership Show and have a powerful day.